and the sword dead to skewer people with the, the the psychological skewering spear as well, just to just put the drive that home as well. Yeah, when you need it, that only comes out at certain times, I suppose. I mean, that's going to be great out of context. That one, <laughs> psychological skewering spear. Welcome to Thinking Deeply About Primary Education, the podcast that makes time and space to think about pedagogy, teaching and learning, professional development, anything of interest to time poor but enthusiasm-rich primary teachers. This week, I'm joined by Wild Bill Bones. Hello there. And we're going to focus our attention on the induction process from the perspective of both the school and the inductee. But first, Lloyd, what's you reading for? What you reading for? So this week I've been dipping back into Intelligent Accountability by David Didow. Didow, sorry. Um, it's a lovely little book that for leaders. If you're, um, you know, if, you, if you're thinking about just going over your leadership style and kind of thinking about how your culture is in your school, um, he, the, you know, it's, I think it came out a few years back now uh, with John Cat and. Um, it's just a great little book. You can easily pick it up and just dip into it. That's, that's the nice thing I like about it. It's not, you know, he writes really, really well. And it's just written in a way which really probes your thinking. And I often pick it up and just think, oh, and it just gives me food, th- food for thought on certain different little things about leadership. So the, the, bit, the bit that I was sort of reading um, last night was about how all, not all accountability is equal. I thought it was quite, it was quite interesting. And he, he quotes, um, like, he quotes some some different bits of people in that book so like he said like he quotes um learner and tetlock and says accountability is not a cognitive cure-all for lazy or unresponsive workers that is a same quoting in there which i think is quite interesting because there's a certain level of accountability that we need as humans to be able to do our jobs effectively like because if we had no accountability we like human nature is unfortunately that we would be lazy and we take shortcuts because just that's you know part of these resistance so but also as we know the adverse effects of overbearing accountability as well and and there's a there's a lovely little um table in the book that he's adapted from um, matthew evans's book of um, leaders with substance and he's got it split into two columns and it's what what looking good is and what being good is so like in the looking good column it's things like getting high results and then the being good equivalent would be like providing a rich and rounded education looking good is being popular with students being good is trying to meet students' students' needs. And it's just, you know, and it goes, I won't name them all, but it just it just got me thinking. And and the last little bit in that chapter says, how can we trust teachers to be good instead of forcing them into looking good? And I, I just think that that just sort of resonated with me a little bit about our practices, our leadership, and thinking like, you know, are we true and honest and authentic with our with our staff and how we lead, you know, and, and just just yeah, just an excellent book for for any leader really to pick up middle middle leader or, or senior leader to consider some of your sort of leadership practices so max what you reading for yeah and obviously david's been ahead of the curve for quite a while you know so when he was writing that probably wasn't commonplace thought in most uh, most schools yeah so definitely check on out um i've got a paper shared by nilo and it's called verbal labels influence children's processing of decimal magnitudes you know um, and, you know, obviously the maths nerds amongst us will uh, be thinking <laughs> that, that sounds that great. Yeah. But for those who maybe, you know, need convincing, they, they start off the extract by saying, you know, verbal labels for math concepts um, include um, point labels, you know, so 4.2, decomposed labels, four tenths and two hundredths, and common unit labels, 42 hundredths. And obviously you can discuss that one idea with those those three different labels. And so without um without sort of giving too much away, this paper explores that um that idea in terms of, you know, where should we go with our our thinking on this? Um so well well we're checking out in a great spot by uh, by Mr. Almond. Sounds suitably um mathsy and nerdish. And um I will look forward to potentially giving that a, a, a you know a little look, but um right up your alley goes sounds this week, 
in what appears to be the most excruciatingly humid day of the of human existence. We're going to explore the induction process. And as always, I think it makes sense to start with definitions. What is induction and what should be included? Okay, so I think I was thinking about this question and I think I found I found just a dictionary definition to start with, which I thought which was a quite nice point to, 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 to launch off from. It says induction is the process for welcoming newly recruited employees and supporting them to adjust to their new roles and working environments. And I thought what I'd do is I'll break break that down into, into different parts. So we said welcoming is the first sort of word that I would pick out of that definition. Um, that for, for me, in, in, induction needs to, to first of all make sure that like in, in it, we need to make sure we're sure there's an environment that is that is welcoming to people, and we need to set up a place that creates psychological safety for people. That that has to happen in the very first instance because anybody working in a you know in any anybody sort of in a place of work doesn't want to come to work having fear now i know we just talked about accountability that yes of course accountability is important but accountability isn't fear and that's something that you know that is the very first thing you need to get down that getting that culture across that welcoming culture across the staff the step across your threshold and, and making sure that they feel instantly part of something bigger so that, that was the first part of that. So welcoming new recruits, um, welcoming new recruit uh, recruited employees and supporting them. Right, supporting that, that's massive. You know that that idea. We'll both unpack it a bit later on, I'm sure. But ensuring everybody has what they need in terms of regards, like like resourcing um, uh, and and access to things, uh, to, so that they can feel psychologically safe and they can feel like they do their job. That's another another key element to it. Um, Finally, then, supporting them to adjust to their new roles and working environments. So the adjust part there, putting, and for me, that's like putting the, irre the relevant things in place that give people the best chance uh, at onboarding and, and, the, and the relevant institutional knowledge uh, as quickly as possible. So to, to allow them to assimilate into the, the staff body and to become part of that team, that welcoming team that, that we uh, that we set out to to we endeavour to sort of create. So that, that's a kind of uh, that in my head that it was what that some of the key things that I saw induction as being at first and foremost a place of safety, psychological safety, and a place of welcoming um, and and trust. Because the, you know you take you take a leap of faith. You know people when they go to a new role. Yes, we've had an interview process. Yes, we've you know we've looked the school up. We've had a walk around. We've read the Ofsted report. We've seen. I don't really know, do we? We don't really know what we're going into as a teacher or a leader into a new school until you get there, which is which is sort of crazy when you think about our jobs. You know, we 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 kind of go in a bit blind on things, and I think that's you know that 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 we need to do as much as we can to try and alleviate the sort of guesswork that a new member of staff will potentially face stepping into a school. Um, because there is going to be an element of that, you know, you don't, you're not going to know where the cupboard, where the RE books are kept or whatever on the, on your first day, your second day there, you know, not that you'd need RE on the second day, but Adam would kill me for saying that, but, um, you know, it, it's a consideration, isn't it? Like how we, we understand that people will have a, like a sense of right, right. You know, and obviously d depending on the level of expertise coming in as well, some people will think, well, I'll use common sense. I know that like, my previous models, my mental models, this was this, I'll go and try that, you know, so. But you try and remove as much guesswork from them as they possibly as you possibly can to sort of uh, to sort of help the process. I love that uh, you know these general principles and really really important ones too that you're speaking to here. You know, essentially, we want to make sure that everyone's safe and ready to perform their role to the best of their ability. And I think that's that's a fantastic um, definition of induction, and certainly better than anything I could have created to describe the the process. I've been inducted quite a few times. There have been a lot of similarities. I think I'll send it to you first, and then I'll sort of talk about the experience that I had, and just in case, you know, there might be some overlap. What does induction typically look like? And what are the possible strengths and weaknesses? Emphasis on weaknesses, possibly. Yeah, sure. So I'm, I'm going to sort of launch off 
Tony Blair style, communication, 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 that it all rests in the first instance on that. And we know how important communication is in schools. We've talked, we've done all episodes on this before, how important it is. Where it fails often is, it can, it can be communication. So, and this can be in two fronts. So it can be over communication or under communication. So, so you've been in this position, I know I've been in this position before where moving jobs, you've got one foot in one school and one foot in another school at the end. And that's a really hard place to be, to be bridging schools because you've still got your commitments to the current place you're at. You're trying to tie up professionally there. However, you've got one eye on the coming challenges of your new place and the new, you know, the new knowledge acquisition that you need to do. And you know that the, the, you know, the leaders from that school that you're going to, it's, it's really important that either you're not bombarded with information, like too much information too early, uh, and being brought into things too early and, and not, you know, and just being included in threads of emails straight away and you don't know where everybody is and it's sort of like, you know, oh, but they need to get their head around this early. So, the, you know, the best thing is to just give them, the, give them the exposure to it and they'll start getting their head around it. Realistically, you're probably not going to get your head around it until you're you're actually in, in the building. So, yeah, on the other, on the, on the shoes on the other foot, in terms of in terms of communication, if you get nothing at all, and you're kind of left in the dark, thinking, well, what's happening over there? And you land on the first day, and it's like, bam, it's like a shell shock, and you you get hit with all this information. So that's also that's also not what we want from from uh, from the induction process so so communication in that in that first sense was was my first point so kind of on the same line of communication sharing of documents so that kind of comes with communication so like other another important codified information uh, or literature ahead of um ahead of your, your 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 induction process again i think i actually think it can be useful to share a certain amount of core things that that you probably add a caveat to that you know we don't expect you to have digested all of this but here it is if you'd like to and i think that's another thing when the community in the communication process is that you, know, you can give you can say to people you take take that pressure off creates that psychological safety oh, okay this person cares that i want to know but also isn't putting too much pressure on me at the same time um you know and striking that balance between not overloading people you know so that, that they don't feel overwhelmed because um, again, when it goes wrong, think about those weaknesses. Is, is where we said before, where they've had you've been given every one of the school policies to look at before you've started in September, and you know you're not really going to have any time to uh, to digest the SMSE policy before I start. You know, it, it, so so I think we just need to be reasonable about, about that with leaders. Another thing potentially that can that that can go wrong is when schools either don't get people across at all before for a transition day or any transition time or they they are trying to pull people too much away from their schools because if they if they're trying to say to people right we want you over for all this time you know we're going to pay your current school the bottom line is current schools aren't going to be very happy with that situation if you're asking you know if you're asking for like a week two weeks of induction you know even with even when they're paid the bottom line is you're taking a teacher away from their school and their class and their context who know the school. I think there needs to be an appreciation from, and a sort of like mutual nods to each other in terms of working out what is a healthy amount of time to come across to a school. And it may be that both schools can work something out, you know, where it, where it is, it is a bigger amount of time, but really does have to be a kind of a, a process where it's mutual. And I, I find another probable sort of weakness is if you do come across for some transition time, lovely, you turn up and there's no real agenda. So you you come in and it's like, great, this is Joe Bloggs, the year two leader and teacher. Uh, you're going to be with them for the day. So, um, uh, and you work with them next year. So, so I'll just leave you to it and be like, yeah, great, great, great. And Joe Bloggs isn't prepared because Joe Bloggs has just been told a couple of days in advance and is like, oh yeah, um, right. So just sort of shadow me today and... Um, and we'll sort of just we'll work it out as we go and it's better i think for on a couple of levels one to the person coming in that's a bit like sends a message of oh you weren't expecting me and that says a lot about value and psychological safety straight away 
two, it you know, it doesn't look very good as a school if you're going to do that. Like, you know, if you're going to not have that level of organization ahead of somebody coming. So, you know, I think that's really, really important. But also, you know, again, I'll flip it around. Again, some of the issues you can face, it might not be that person's fault. You know, it might be the leader above them that sort of made this arrangement and hasn't really properly briefed, briefed the teacher or briefed the leader that is expecting, like, the incoming inductee and and not giving them the, the sort of correct um prep if you will before before they've arrived so so uh, you know it might be that it doesn't it's not a good time for them and it doesn't you know yet with they've tried to ram this transition day in and actually you sometimes that can do you a disservice it can do the person who's having it a disservice because they're seeing this potential person they're going to work with next year or, or whatever not in the best light and if that's your first, and we say, you know, about first impressions, if that's your first experience at school, again, going back to that psychological safety, you're thinking, oh, hang on, that's this, uh, he was frosty or like, you know, and it's not necessarily his fault because he's got, you know, his, his plates might be too full and his cognitive load and all the rest of it. So, you know, you, you, you've got to consider these things. So that's another thing that, um, another thing, I think the last, probably the last thing I would say in terms of weakness for, I'd hand it back to you, Kieran, to talk about your experiences is the time of years happening as well. Like I know we're, to, we're talking about September now, like, you know, we're talking about probably, I and mean, most people out there now when this goes out, thinking about current transit, everything I just talked about, transition from September. But we know as well, you know, forecasting, sometimes teachers leave in year, don't they? You know, and that happens in this circumstances out of control. That's, we've got to think carefully if that, if that happens, like what that means for teachers coming in and what that, what that induction process you know they're coming in hot, if you will. It's and it's very, very challenging to pick up mid-year from a class. So I mean that that's probably another whole episode in itself. But it's a consideration anyway. So yeah, I mean I think if you if you have got that situation where it's a mid-year sort of vacancy fill, I think you should just be grateful that you've got someone there. And only you know obviously we want them to be as impactful and and proficient as as possible but i think you know if we have someone leave in january the fact that we've got someone in january i think is sufficient you know and then we can start fresh in in september because you know once you get to the six nations the year just disappears you know i can remember when ireland won the six nations this year and i remember your tears and the time when it was as well <laughs> i maintain they're going to win the world cup you you won't have it but i maintain they're going to be in the final near enough to the final although or winning it but anyway we'll see peak too soon but me and, me and my colleagues sort of talk about how once you get to that point in the year speed just ramps up big time and so i think yeah i think we just, we just as school leaders were you know thankful we've got someone because it could be a situation where you've got 13 different teachers in a class over the rest of that year you know that that's not an uncommon conversation i have with with friends who are teachers i am with colleagues about the number of um supply teachers they need to have in because they can't find anyone permanent so you know i think it, when we're talking about that that kind of hot um induction i think uh yeah uh, a sort of slight recalibration of the expectation is is, is quite often needed and um, i mean you mentioned transition days again as a teacher or as a leader I often just use those transition days to get to know the other people who'll be working there and try and spend as much time as possible with those who will still be in post. Because sometimes you can get the outgoing person, particularly if you're a school leader, say you're the deputy head and you're the, you're the new, new deputy head and the outgoing deputy head gets lumbered with you for the day or, or however many days it is. They're not necessarily the best person to spend your time talking to. So it's like, can you start building relationships with the people who will be there, the people who you're probably going to work most closely with, or even just trying to scope out who seems keen, you know, because there's a likelihood you're coming in, you're going to be making changes. Certainly in the in the circumstances that we quite often find ourselves joining new schools, and um, there are changes to be made. And and so, yeah, so I won't even prepare questions about the day-to-day run of the school in, in, in June, July, because everybody's flat out, you know? I mean, everyone's trying to fit in a million different things. It's excruciatingly hot. So let's just build relationships, I think. Um, in September, quite often, you know, there are some commonalities. Lots of documents. Lots of opportunities to talk to key people across the school. And I think in September, 
you might have an idea about the questions you want to ask them as you as you go into those meetings. Uh, I would quite often in my last role sit down with any new teacher and explain my 20 minutes on how to effectively use high quality textbooks or high quality curricula because that's the minimum you need to know going into one of our classes. So here's here's the underlying pedagogy. Everything else will come from that. But at the very least, you need to know that this is not open up at page 23 and continue from page 23. Um, and what I actually did was I recorded all of the CPD I delivered over five years in small 15 to 20 minute segments, because obviously with the tasks that people did, they're not 45 minutes an hour long. So now they've still got that stuff, despite me um, moving on. So they can literally drip feed those short bits of um, CPD to their new teachers. And we've, we've discussed before about how they, you know, they often grow their own teachers. So people will have some idea, but then let's, let's put some hard pedagogy on top of that, you know, because then you, you've got the, the lived experience. And so let's, let's say, let's solidify that and, and start with the most impactful stuff. But yeah, but my inductions, you know, have, you know, I've had difficult conversations with outgoing school leaders, or I've had, you know, conversations with people who weren't going to be there. And they thought, well, why have I just spent the last 90 minutes talking to this person? You know, maybe it's helpful, but I think it's more helpful to um, focus on what your priorities are and how best to build those relationships. Because, you know, you're, you're never really going to feel comfortable until probably three quarters of the way through the first year, I reckon, because then you've got time to get to grips with the institutional knowledge that's necessary to exist within the ecosystem. You know, you, you've worked out who to push and who to give a wide berth on certain days of the week and stuff like that there, you know? And, and so then you can sort of, uh, you can push on say May time and then you're starting to plan for the the following year. So I think, I think your experience maps up with mine. And I thought, it, you know, I've thought about this as a teacher, so it might be worth them. Um, might be worth sharing. Yeah, it's quite, I think, echo your point completely there about an incoming leader speaking to the outcome person. There's a really, it, it can be really revealing as well as actually damaging. You know, like it, it can be both those things and you've just got to be very cautious. You've got to have your, your, your sort of your psychological shield up, if you will, like, you know, because, uh, it, it, you know, it's you're dealing with a sort of potentially sort of, uh, difficult situation there, but so that's a really good point I thought about. Um, I mean, I analyze every conversation I'm having. Sometimes while I'm having the conversation, you know, it's it's quite a painful existence, but I've always got that shield up. <laughs> so, I mean, with this in mind, I mean, the system's not terrible because teachers get inducted every year, do a great job. You know, life continues, life finds a way. But if we think systematically about this, if we think about maximizing the time we have with our teachers, because it's limited by nature, how might we better induct new teachers into our school? And how do we balance policy with pedagogy? Really good question, Ness. Really, really good question. Um, and, you know, I think one of the mainstays for to getting this balance right is... Um, is, is the time allocation, isn't it? It's, it's, how, it's how we spend time. Ultimately, loads of stuff we do in teaching comes down to the currency of time and how we spend it. And I think this this is where smart strategic thinking around induction processes is really important. Um, and how you balance, like you've just said, you, you just said it, how you balance that institutional knowledge against the pedagogical knowledge, you know, like what, you know, where everything is and how we do it you know like sort of it's so 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 challenging it's challenging you know when you think about it like because like we do certainly with us and, and, and lucy's very good at this like you know it's about how we we look at what we did the year prior, prior all the time and go did we get it right for them did we get it right for them did, you know i'm talking to them and asking you know how did you feel about you know after they're out with it long past it what was hard what was hard for you? What was the hardest thing coming in as a leader? What, you know, you, you landed, what we did this, did that help? Like what was, and, and talking to people like that, because they'll often just tell you, you know, like what, what it was that they were struggling with or that, that put a lot of pressure on them at certain points. You know? So, so I think getting that kind of, a, getting understanding from, from past staff 
is a really helpful starting point for just when you're trying to shape the process and making sure that you balance those two things. So I get in in terms in terms of um, how how we looked at it this year. We you you hit the nail on the head just a minute ago, and you said people don't really get into their stride into, until term three. Really, term you know realistically they come up for air out at the other side of Christmas and start to go okay. I think I know everybody now. And I think I know where the photocopier is and I know where the policies are kept on the drive and all the rest of it. You know, you start to get that stuff locked down and start to be themselves a little bit, I feel. And, and hopefully, like, they feel safe then and they really do think, like, oh, yeah, I've, I've got a real good level. Now. So it's interesting you said that because we, this year, we've got three new staff incoming. We've got quite a few members of staff shifting year groups, you know, up to six and round and about. And we've got a bit of movement this year. Um, so we've been really, really carefully discussing what the best process would be for induction for staff internally moving year groups. And for, like I said, for those external staff, what does that look like? What, what can we do to help facilitate this the best? So... We, in terms of trying to work out that balance between pedagogy and, and, and sort of institutional knowledge, we've opted for a model where, now, as you know, I've spoken on the podcast about the fact we do instructional coaching um, and we run our professional development pathway model, which one week we coach, one week we do our, our PD, shorter PD sessions and a snappy, you know, and we run that and we run them in sets, long and thin. So, but the, re- the, the reality is like for the induction process, it's like, you know, like I say, balancing, like you say, balancing that pedagogical stuff. I can't be going, right, what we're going to do, we roll out a new RE scheme in September, um, and those three members of staff don't know how to do English in our school. You know, that's ridiculous. You know, when you, when you actually think about it, and actually three members of staff have moved gear groups, so they're just trying to get their head around the kingdom of Benin. You know, so what? what's the point in trying to then push curriculum change at that point? It's futile. So it, it, we realise that, and we've gone... Actually, we need to shape our model differently this year. So what we've done is we've decided on having an initial hit of like the first couple of PD sessions, the first three or four PD sessions, to be subject summary sessions where we're going to get leaders, subject leaders, to do 20-minute slots, giving the ins and outs of their subject, where to find everything, a general overview about how we do it. You know, it's a whistle-stop tour of the subject. But it gives all staff a nice refresher and new staff are like, oh, okay, this is how they do RE, this is how they do MFL, this is how they use language agents. Okay. So for three weeks, literally, just using 20-minute slots in all of the PD sessions just to give people that. that. And we're going to film them all. Now, I go back to videos. Codifying things on videos on Central Drive is a really, really useful thing to do. Because then, like you say, if you do get any hot landings mid-year, you can you can create some space and create some time for them to watch videos. It means then busy people in the year are not having to read, run training and stuff. You can get them to watch uh, watch things as well. It's the same with routines. It's the same with lining up and other cultural things in the school as well. You can re- record all that, which is something we're aiming to do as well um, to help that process. So we've done that. We've said the first three landings, like a landing set of of um, of sort of summaries. And then we we finished the end of um, we finished the end of our our sort of we mapped our inset date to be at the end of September actually the, the second one where we are going to launch from that point our mentoring model so we are switching away from instructional coaching at that point back to a mentoring model or just and we're going to do that until T three because we realised like you said. People need are going to need help. They're going to need telling what where things are and how how we do things, and they're going to need an opportunity for somebody more expert to feed into them and say and check in with them and run through key priorities of the school and go over bits and pieces. And we've run out. We've laid out. Actually, did it today earlier with my with my phase leader Jack and Lucy. We laid the framework um, for what we want in those mentoring sessions out for the first two terms. Uh, and we've and we've we've aligned that with our S, our SLP and our priorities, but also with the the knowledge we think is going to be really really institutional stuff that's going to be really really important for the new staff that are landing and the staff that are moving. And we're going to run that then up until in like say up until T three. Now we've had to pay carefully. You know we've had to pay experts 
kind of experienced people from year groups and senior leaders overseeing a year group and we're all going to take a year group so like i'm going to oversee year four and five um lucy's going to oversee year three jessica you know and we've got my elements and, and so on and so forth and we're kind of like accountable for that year group from a mentoring perspective and we will share uh right at the very beginning what what the expectations for mentoring are and kind of give them like an understanding of of what i love like why we're doing it the rationale behind as we always do the why behind things but also that idea that like, okay, if I'm mentoring year five or whatever, then it's not necessarily me coming in as the deputy head and cracking the whip. And, you know, because that's that's another thing I don't want them to feel like psychologically unsafe again, you know, because, oh, I'm under the microscope. You, I've, you've got the head, I've got the deputy, you know, it's like, no, no, it's purely a supportive process. It's a, it's a process so we can help keep a check and balance on, on, how they're coping and say oh you know and, and we can and the other thing it does it gives us a constant line back in and out like a lungs of our slt meetings every week so we've got this constant flow of information in and out from a from both a a kind of pedagogical and sort of institutional level but also like from on on the ground as well so like it's, it's great it just allows us to um have that clarity um just to really ensure that we bed down routines culture that we make sure that everybody is is kind of like making sure that our offer is sound across the board then in t3 like i said after reviewing and reflecting and if we need to extend we'll extend you know we're not afraid to be responsive in that process as well but we will then look to move back to our curriculum pdp development pathway and then think about right that's when we start rolling out um, Pesh and RE schemes that we've got to set up uh, priorities for this year. It's like, that's how we're going to, then we're launched in January from that point. Because by, like you say, by that point, staff are going to be feeling, okay, I'm ready to now take some stuff on board here. Because the bottom line is we we do, you know, we have to move. Of course we have to move, you know, like you can't stand still and teach, and you can't stand still in curriculum development. You, we know that. But you also need to be reasonable about your context and about, about, and about induction about the fact that you are going to have to induct both in within internally and with external people coming in as well so yeah so shifting back then to that ic and that granular model and that kind of pathway then um as well now i think you know it, it's one of those things where you know i like to think we're quite forward thinking lucy's very forward thinking and willing to give things a go and break the mold a little bit on how, how to do things and, and and so like again like i always say with things We'll see how it goes. We might get to that point and think, well, we should have pulled the plug on that back in, in end of T1. Or we might say, actually, this is not enough time still. We might go, t you know, go like three terms and then three terms, you know, like, and, and that might be a better balance. But you'll only know unless you try and iterate and you sort of, and it also changes and depends on the amount of expertise you've got coming in as well, isn't it? If you've got loads of ECTs coming in or have you got loads of a mixture of, we've got some more experienced staff coming in. So we just need to make sure that they, um, you know, that they have it. Because the other thing as well is if you've got a leader coming in, you, you know, you've got to think about a leadership induction. That's a whole nother thing, you know, about how you make sure a leader gets their feet on the ground. And, you know, and if it's a teaching leader or if it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a non-teaching leader, what are the considerations there? What do they need? Is, is Do they need sort of, uh, more time and so on and so forth so so that's sort of how we thought about balancing our pedagogical stuff with time and to give you a flavor of the framework like some of those sessions are around like how to do how to write pupil progress um how to put together a pupil progress document and interpret the signals that the data has given us you know uh, and and to work with teachers to you know, if they're not used to working with data and how uh, how unreliable it can be and noisy it can be and actually it gives us signals and how do we build those signals and make those kind of inferences from what we can see in our formative judgments and so on and put all that together. You know, it's things like that, um, sessions like that, sessions where we're going to go back over um, like the moderation process, how we moderate in year, but just within year in a close setting, not in a big room of moderation, just something a bit more close, a bit more personal, a bit less threatening in that sense. So, so you know, we've we've thought carefully, we've mapped the framework out, and we've got a structure that we're going to use. 
a mentoring structure, which, you know, I'm happy to share at some point what that kind of pro forma looks like and how we're going to run that model for staff. But that's sort of that's sort of where we are with um, how we are going to hopefully better induct, going back to the question, the teachers than we have done previously and how we've thought carefully there about the time they have to do things like institutional stuff, like how we do group progress versus um, the kind of pedagogical stuff, like how we teach English or like how we do error tracking in maths or, you know, the, these kinds of things as well. Uh, the important sessions to have uh, and close sessions where hopefully that like we build that trust and safety with, uh, with stuff. I mean, if I were to summarize what I think you've said, I think it comes down to expectations. One, you've got very sensible expectations of the rate at which your teachers or your new staff will assimilate into their environment. Assimilate the right word. And you've put systems in place that acknowledge this. But also, you're very clear about what is expected. And you've actually set that out as part of their induction training. Because, I mean, I feel safest when I know my brief, when there are clear expectations of what's expected of me, because then I can take that information and I can go off and action it. You know, that's, that's when I thrive. And I imagine that's fairly similar for most people. You know, I'm trying to think of a situation in which you might not feel like that. Perhaps, I don't know if you prefer to work more solo than as part of a team, you know, then it, then it might be different. And, you know, obviously, I'm happy to be proven wrong. But I think just like children enjoy those boundaries, adults at work in, enjoy those boundaries. And so the fact that you're outlining, okay, here's how we want those pupil progress reports to be completed. Well, that avoids difficult conversations or well, goes a long way to avoiding difficult conversations later when, for instance, you've got a very important report for the local authority and it hasn't been completed to a satisfactory standard. Because... We know those reports can be the turning point in a tribunal, for instance. And so knowing, okay, this is how I fill this in. This is the information that's needed. I think it's really important. It's like in safeguarding forms, knowing not to write down what you think. Just write down the facts. You know, that, that's the kind of form I like filling in. Okay, here's what happened. Keep your biases out of it. And then let the process do its work. You know, so I, I think that's brilliant. And I think that if I were working in your school, I would feel supported in executing my role effectively. Now, if I'm a teacher who's been with you for a while, and I know you've got a few who've been there since the whole time you've been there and perhaps longer, are they in receipt of the training or do they continue on their instructional coaching pathway? What's that, what's that sort of distribution like? Yeah, so that's that's a good question. So you know, we had to make a decision whether these teachers, you know, what, was it feasible to allow these teachers to be able to do something different? The reality of it is, we there wasn't a model in which we could allow them to do. We just didn't have the capacity to be able to say you can, you know, because the bottom line is, it's quite, you know, it's res it's resource heavy. I see, you know, we know it like you know. It, it, capacity heavy you know it pulls on a lot of people and uh, we just felt like we couldn't do both of those things we had to say well actually what are are there benefits for those teachers going over things and just reconnecting and what we at what actually what we found was actually a lot of those teachers are the mentors so they're actually developing themselves in terms of you know their own professional development from how they supporting how they're supporting others and and often, you know, when they when we talk about appraisal, you know, and things about like how they're growing themselves and how they're growing themselves as leaders, and um, um, a lot of those staff are middle leaders anyway, because they are all senior because they've been there so so long. They've kind of moved up, um, so they they're actually doing the mentoring. So that that's kind of how we have addressed that side of things. Um, and and we are we've asked we've asked people, is this something that you would would like? You know, would you benefit would you benefit from this? And like I said, because we've got those movements in year groups, because we've got people coming in and new races have gone, they were all actually like, yeah, we would really like that. That would be really, really helpful for us because it just gives us a bit of space to kind of settle as well and like and, and allow the team around them to settle. 
because again you, you, we know what it's like when you've worked you've got someone incoming it can be just as much work for, work for the existing teachers trying to prop up somebody and we must now we mustn't forget that's a very good you know it's another point to consider isn't it how much work that can that can have on somebody who's been existing and been there a while who are newbie dropping you know and and then you know because all of that kind of informal well, I'll just have to show you to this. Well, I'll just show you to that. Adds up, you know, and, and it has an impact. You know, we all know that when we've worked in year groups where we've been there a few years and with somebody, it's like second nature. You've you've automized stuff so much, you forget. And then when someone comes in, you remember again. Like, yeah. So, so that's, yeah, yeah. So where we are with it. Nice. And if, if Gail's cone of experience has taught us anything, is that people remember 90% of what they teach other people. So I think you're on to a... A winner there. <laughs> <laughs> and Dale's Cone starts at the top and comes back to Dale's Cone and reemerges as Dale's Cone again. <laughs> yes, it's the it's the beast that it's this the serpent that's eaten its own tail. Its own know, tail in, yeah. in the uh, in the lead up to Ragnarok. So I uh, can't we can't wait for that one. <laughs> the endless referencing loop beast. <laughs> but uh, no, on a, on a serious note, um, I think I think it's great because it it makes a lot of sense because, like you said, some of that tacit knowledge. You know, you, you do it without even thinking about it, don't you? Um, I mean, if I'm thinking about brand new teachers on their first day of induction, I think there are three things I'd want them to go in thinking about. First is understanding how we learn and the idea that, you know, no one is expecting you to remember everything on day one. That's not how memories are formed. And you need meaningful connections. Like you said, that's why it takes two or three terms because you're making meaningful connections within your institutional model or your mental model of the of the institution. Um, Note-taking is extremely important. I must have been a couple of, I mean, I've said this before, a couple of terms, a couple of months into my NQT year before I realized that note-taking would have been beneficial and that I couldn't remember everything. So take, no, take those notes and build a system where you can refer back to them. And then the third one is don't feel bad about leaving early on your first couple of days. So say you've got two inset days, you're not going to have as much work as everybody else. So make the most of the time while you can, because I always feel guilty. Oh, you know, I'll just hang around. But actually, unless you've got a classroom to get ready, and as long as you, you're ready for the next day, we'll make the most, because September, once September gets rolling, you know, there's, there's no stop until Christmas, really. You know, you've got that big 14-week term, and it's the 14-week term in which most of the learning happens for me, I think, because... It's the, it's the biggest uninterrupted period of the year. And what you find then is the spring and summer terms are full of constant interruptions. And so if you haven't made the most of those first 14-ish weeks, you know, then you might be on, a back, on the back foot. And so if on the, the 1st of September, I think that's a Friday this year, you get the chance to go with three, half three, do. Because, uh, you know, no one's going to resent it because you're, you're certainly going to make up for it at some point in the rest of the year. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a quite a quite evil laugh. <laughs> Sinister. A laugh born of experience. <laughs> I mean, we're halfway through the questions, so it would be remiss of me not to play the Kofi song. But I do, I do need to talk to you about it beforehand because we've had a few more Kofi subscribers, which means the song is for all intents and purposes, out of date. And what I was thinking, let, let me pitch this to you now, Lloyd. I okay. was thinking Dr. Jones by Aqua, right? It's G, <laughs> F, and C. Okay. In various different, you know, which is very close, if not the same key as the Tadapi theme tune. Yeah, what if, what, far off, yeah. yeah. What, if, uh, what, if, what if we use that as the model for the next song? And perhaps in the next couple of weeks, we had to, because I know I asked you about craft work, but maybe that's a bit, too experimental what do you think lloyd could we make that happen with the new people's um, details and details i can i can give it a go i can give it a go just the new people so just the new people having a little no i think special... everyone. <laughs> i think i think everyone and every oh, time right. new people come okay. on board okay. we will okay. endeavor to a massive song at the end <laughs> yeah i will um i will see what i can do i will see leave it leave it i'll leave it to my um um yeah, my creative sort of uh, domain. I will try and try and have a little look at it for you. See what I can come up with. Sure, I can rustle something up. <laughs> Fantastic. Hi, Warby. <laughs> 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 
you Kofi, Kofi, Kofufu, however you pronounce it, you damn lovely supporters. It's a song going out to you, to you. Mrs. B. S. Atea, Adam, Katie, Liv, Dempsey, Becca, Jenford, Susie, Brown, and Sio, Nechio, Rachel, I am Al, Jessica, Tom, Oakley, Tom, Brassington, Jessica, Tom, Oakley, Tom, Brassington, LJ, and last but not least, my lovely little Amy Bills, oh, they help us pay the bills, oh. A massive thank you out to Dabby family. Coffee supporters help us keeping it at free. There's far more content coming just round the bend. Thank you all for helping our very special friends. Friends. Very special friends. Right, so we're into the second half and probably three shorter questions maybe two because i think we've answered the, the final one if you only had three slots as part of your induction process what would you fill them with and how would you prioritize them are we are we talking the like the three you've just described or are we talking more serious because obviously if we if we if we're thinking a bit more robustly it's got to be safeguarding. I mean, that's a stand that, you know, and I feel like that's a cop out of an answer. I feel like it's an answer that, um, I, shall I, I'll answer without safeguarding with the caveat that obviously safeguarding is the first thing you need to make sure that is in place. I'll, I'll answer like that. So I'd say the, the first, so, so three slots. I'm, I'm going to go with, first of all, launching from principles, value and, and culture. You know, you know, you've, you've, you've got a, what you're all about. It's, you've got to make sure that they are fully in, invested in the kind of the why of your school, what you're all about, and making. Now, hopefully, they've they they've accepted the job on the basis that then the interview process and all the other things and the tours and the, they get an idea of that. But it, it's a first your first opportunity to really impress upon somebody what you're all about and like what you your expectations are around around the culture that, that is in the school. I think that has got, for me that's got to come first that vision and kind of the principles that, that you go by I would say that that is my first slot second slot I think it's important to go to your like teaching and learning policy and to go to actually say right where, where do we base our our instruction from because all schools like you say you know we, we have an approach you know knowledge rich direct instruction kind of like built around retrieval those all those things all this all the stuff that we know is 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 effective around learning having a session around that and making sure that they're really clear on this underpins all of our subjects in the school and that that that's it so that's that's really really key for me thirdly i was having an on about this i was thinking about you know is it is it actually subject priorities then you know that you have an overview but you wouldn't be able to squeeze it all in it would be it wouldn't be it wouldn't be enough so I thought potentially, and I talked to Lucy about this. I asked Lucy this question earlier, and we went, we we sort of had a conversation about it. Like, what are the year group priorities for you? Are you in a standards year group? Because they're big, big considerations. Are you in a year group that has the MTC? Are you in a year group that has the phonics check? Are you in a year group which, yeah, well, year two is no no longer a standards year, but but they, you know there are often priorities that come along with your year group, and identifying those. And understanding what that means for your year group because they have implications and i think it's really really important that if you are incoming that you understand that you know whether that's year six um year four year one your UIFS, whatever it is you know that you have a really good understanding of what your year group priorities are and this and how that fits to the school priorities as well like what are the overall what are the what's the sf what's the overall aim this year for the, as a school i think it's important that they know that you know like our SLP is quite tight. We don't overload it. We've just got nice priorities. 
writing, foundation assessment, you know, whatever it is, just the, these are the things we're going to look at. And you don't need to bombard them with the, lots of information on it. Just want to give them a kind of nice tight summary and get them to talk around it a little bit so they really understand where which direction the school is going in with development. That That's kind of how I would look potentially. It, I find that question really hard because it's like, you know, because... My, I would say, like, you know, you're not having three slots, you're having 300 slots, right? <laughs> Reduction, but, but yeah, that was my kind of my things that I think are quite pertinent. And, and Lucy and I agreed on that, that they've been quite pertinent. I mean, I, I think you've hit the nail on the head because culture is so, so important. You know, it, it's, it's, you know, schools live and die by it. Absolutely spot on because, you know, and you're talking about feeling safe and, and knowing it's the right place for you, the culture essentially is is what you use to measure that because if you if you're pushing in a different direction from the culture um of the school well then you know it it might not necessarily be the best place for it but i hope before you've got the induction phase you've realized that uh, the the culture of the school is is somewhere i know i know it's not always the case but you know nine times out of ten i hope people realize the situation you're getting themselves into um teaching learn learn a policy you know we, I've talked before, you know, when I spoke to Craig Barton, talked about those highest leverage changes you can make to your practice, you know, instruction and, you know, and you're talking about being knowledge rich and things like that there, that, that makes the biggest difference. You can buy yourself a whole lot of time if you get to the point where your teachers are effective explainers of new knowledge and new concepts, you know, so I 100% agree there. And things like the, the MTC, you don't hit the ground running in September, then you're running, you're, you know, you're pushing uphill against, uh, you know, I don't know, sludge or something like that there, because I don't know, I don't know. We've talked before about how, you know, pupils who come in to year four and are roughly scoring 18 out of 25 on, for instance, things like a sign check on TTRS. And um, those kids are generally on track to, learn their times tables before the end of the academic year but with the children who are not you need to put systems in place that allow them to sort of bridge that gap and join their peers because we know how important that knowledge is in, in year five and in year four to an extent too but certainly in five and six no point in trying to engage with fractions in the way that we hope they will if you don't know your times tables so things like that if you get it right in September, the rest of the year is so much easier. So, uh, you know, I find it very difficult to disagree with your three, but it is unfortunately the wrong answer because the right answer is maths, structures of arithmetic, and fractions. Those are the three things that all teachers need to learn about on their first day in school. And ideally, you bring me in to t teach them all about those three things <laughs> I, I i was so wrong i was so wrong i'm glad you've realized um, it's, it's interesting yeah i have i've errored my ways i've uh, you know i'll, I'll yeah whip myself tonight because of that and that's not the cold drop either so there's too many cold drops in this episode you're a cold drop <laughs> i mean it's it's just a nightmare like i am a nightmare um there's another um <laughs> so yeah no just going back to what you're saying there about mtc stuff and about like you know Oh, you're absolutely right. Like we have same day intervention model where we use like obviously we have there's you know senior leaders doing assemblies every day. Like probably took from you know Matt Swain and Step, and we were inspired by those guys there. It's just great. And it's just such a good model for us. Like it just it creates that guaranteed space for like for teacher intervention as well. Teacher intervention, you know, which is the biggest, most powerful one. They're the most, they're the experts in the room at the end of the day. Um, and it's exactly that. We that's exactly what we do. We 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 sort of load year four, um, and we look at the balance of what SDIs are for, and we and then and obviously in year four they're largely weighted to MTC, you know. And we learned that the hard way, <laughs> you know. We we learned that by sort of doing an our our, our massively decks them, but and we've got a really clear structured program that we and review points and like sort of mock checks that we do all year, and we collect on insight and we run averages. And, you know, as well as as well as the data from TT Rockstars as well, and in tandem, you know, it's, it's, it's tribe stuff. But it's like, like you said, you're new. You need to know that that's a thing in your year group. You know, like and and so yeah, so I think it's, it's yeah, it's important.
So how do we know if induction has been successful? So I think, you know, this 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 sort of two ways to do this, I think. Like from some some schools that have like a probationary period where they, you know, and academies to certainly do, you know, some academies have probationary periods where you can you can set up review. But we the, the main part thing is the review, right? Reviews and check-ins. This is how we make sure that this is, you know. Like so when we induct staff and how we do it, and, and, and certainly with our, you know, from from a TA perspective, even, we need to work at it a bit more with our teachers. How we cap our kind of like within the first couple of weeks, or certainly in the first two weeks, for example, of when you teach in, how they where where are those touch points where they meet leaders? Start of the day, end of the day, just a little, just pop in and see me at four if you can, or like, or you know, not overbearing, but just a. Uh, Literally pop in and see me if you think you need to, if you if you feel like you need to come in and see us, and then we will have a Friday, you know, Friday after whatever, Thursday after school, we'll have a, we'll have a we'll have a, a general review and go right, what's working, what's not working, great, and then having really clear structured distribu- distribution in your leadership, know then if there are things that come back, how does that kick into place? Where does that information flow to? Does it go to phase leaders and then down to the, you know, how does it, who does it, who need, who does it involve? And just having a really clear process and systems. Now, we're still refining that for our, for our place. We're like, we realize that, that that's an in, really important part. We've got, it re- we've got it really right for our TAs. We haven't quite nailed it down yet for our teachers. And it's something that we're currently working on that is really, really important. I feel like that's, that's the, the, some of the key to it. And I think coming, coming to a point not, and not being afraid to say, if it's not necessarily that it hasn't been successful, but if it needs longer, being like building in capacity so that you can extend if you need to. And no, you know, because we're, we're so often quick to, you know, we know, right, they're getting paid that wage. They're good. They're experts. We expect them to just get on with it, crack on with it. And it's like, well, actually, you've got to be reasonable with people and you've got to say, well, they need a bit more time to get their heads around this. So let's just extend the support for them a little bit more. It's not weakness. It's it's about good leadership in identifying when we need to help people and when we need to say actually, and then knowing that balance. Of course, there's about go, again go back to that accountability. Of course, there's going to be a release. There's going to be a time where there's, that that is going to start to move over, and you say, well, actually, I do need you to sort of have you know to to go a little bit now because you can't induct forever. Of course, you can't. You know, and it's, that's ridiculous. But but I think again go back to communication and having set review points and check-in procedures lined up that i think will give you a really good indication as to whether it's worked or not because they'll tell you if it's worked or not also you will be able to see if you're if you're you know we're hoping through this mentoring what what we're going to do is we're going to like say have our framework that we're going to mentor from we're going to do our we do theme walks so we will walk the school sort of the week and we're going to do sort of preemptive theme walks. So we're going to walk the week before with an idea of what we're looking at. Then we're going to mentor the year group on it. Then we're going to go back out and walk and see what we see and look at the next bit of the framework. And then we're going to continue that process and having a re. And then that feeds back into our SLT meetings on a Monday. And we d- we have that as a regular agenda item. Right? We discuss what we see and how it's going. And we're going, yeah, this is working. This is good. Yeah. Th- th- how is it going in your year groups? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we have our performers and we can share in and, as a leader, deputy, as a head, I can check other people's performers in terms of their from their from their mentoring sessions and say, "Oh yeah, great, that's going well there." Or you know, there's a bit of an issue there. What's this? How how do we need to remedy or help there? So it's having those again. I'll go back to it: systems and processes, and communicating all that out to everybody so that you can really get a temperature on whether that induction is you know stabilizes off. Let's go, sort of thing, and let's kick into our into our PDP sort. Of. Nice. I mean, I really like that you say it's not about being unsuccessful, but it's about needing longer. So obviously we know with the kids, the the biggest variable in mastery learning is and mastering something is time. You know, some children will need more time than others. So why wouldn't that be the same for teachers? I mean, it's, it, you know, it can't it possibly human nature, but many people can see struggling as a sign of weakness as rather than part of the learning process or as a natural part of any transition. And sometimes they might be reticent to signal that they're having difficulties or that things aren't going as smoothly as possible. And so do you find that 
those checking procedures you have in place, those systems and processes mitigate for this? Or does that sometimes bleed into the conversations you have? And, and what would your approach be in that kind of situation? Yeah, it's a very, very good point. I mean, I think, it, you know, you, you we all have biases as leaders. And it's something that how we, when when we're checking, doing our checks and balances, and when we're doing our support, and when we're, like, say, when we're having those conversations, we need to be really mindful of, like, is this a kind of individual level struggle or is this a systemic struggle is it like a systems level struggle and i guess that comes from us quality assuring ourselves as leaders around the table to say okay so so and so is struggling with this and that's i've been able to have those conversations around the scene leadership table to go yeah they're struggling with this a bit as well um and going rather than going what's happening there that's you know being knee-jerk and sitting and trying to trying to pin pin it on poor performance as such like hold the mirror up is this is this a systems problem is it actually is this something here with that's not right on, on a bigger scale that's causing the issue and it and it can be just one person potentially that it affects you know that's another bias that we can easily say well it's only one it's only this one person that's struggling with this thing so it must be just them it's not always the case you know you've got to you've got we've, you've got to be honest in your leadership and you've got to be you've got to be able to challenge each other not emperor's new clothes it's like you know we've we've got to be able to say hmm, actually is this working because what teachers are very good at doing is masking and they're very good at you know, and, 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 and I think the, the most superior example of this currently is the current SEND situation in Kent, uh, where you've got 87% of schools in Kent are good or better, the HMI and the inspector are saying, right? Yet the, <laughs> the local authority is in a sort of catastrophic state of ministerial accountability. And offset is saying, what is happening? Why is that so broken? And that schools are still because under the send, obviously under the, the under offset, they assess send. So so what's happening? Well, I'll tell you what's happening is the teachers and schools are masking the problems that are sitting beneath them, and they they're a breaking point because leaders and schools can't cope because they're masking stuff. So that kind of is a perfect real world analogy, current analogy of of what we can sometimes suffer as leaders in our in our lead in our schools and our leadership schools on a smaller scale with potentially a teacher doing the same thing or you know where, where you've got one teacher maybe telling you a lot more than you think it is you know because there's because there's others around you are masking so i think that's you know that's stuff that we again goes back to culture of leadership in our school and how we challenge and how we are open and how we're transparent with what we do to try and prevent some of that some of that stuff happening and get those honest kind of reflections so that we can iterate appropriately um, based on the feedback that we get from the induction process. I mean, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, catastrophic is a very polite way to describe what has been a very difficult situation. And I think you're... I was, I was being mild. <laughs> you're... The way, the way you've spoken about it so eloquently, I think we will really hit home with anyone who's familiar with that situation. And, and you're right, that masking is something that we do very well for one reason or another. And so I think, yeah, I think you're absolutely spot on in terms of how you can, uh, you can mitigate for that almost natural reluctance to admit weakness that can often exist. And it's about being aware that this is a phenomenon that exists and we want to make sure everyone is successful within our our schools, adults and children alike. And so, what can we do to to support them? And like you said, holding that mirror up uh, is a, is a very good starting point. So yeah, so very wise words. I mean, are you going to blog about this or do a talk on this at all? Because it's fantastic stuff, Lloyd. Yeah, maybe. I mean, like we're coming to the end of the of the uh, the research head season, aren't we? Finishing actually the, the last time I rolled the. My my talk up from this year will be at the national, so I I, need, I probably need to write a new one then at some point about 
some of the stuff we've been doing and um yeah perhaps that's, perhaps that could be one or something along the lines of culture and, and sort of development and processes and things yeah yeah food for thought nice and the next time we'll be in dusseldorf 21st of august we will we will we'll be there 21st of august research at deutschland so that'll think... be uh, exciting yeah it's been so successful in terms of ticket sales that they actually need more speakers. So I'm definitely encouraging anyone who is listening and has anything they want to share about their practice and being research informed. You know, I think the talks nowadays lean towards classroom experience of theories and phenomena that perhaps were discussed in the first wave of research ed talks you know i remember the first time i went it was very much here's the theory here's how it might look in the classroom but over time it's mm. here well we've tried this out and this is what we've learned so you know you might think oh i don't have the reading background it's a fantastic experience it's an extremely well-run conference which makes a massive difference in terms of the quality of the experience for both delegates and speakers mm -hmm. But it's a chance to solidify your own thinking on things that you've been developing in your in your school and your class. So if anyone's listening, thinking, "Oh, I, I might take a punt," go for it because uh, I couldn't recommend it enough. You know, the the team over there are fantastic, and uh, you know, Dan was on a couple of times, and uh, you know, one of my yeah, favorite episodes when, when he spoke about stress. That was a talk from that that first research at Deutschland, and I, and I went up to him straight away afterwards and said, "Dan, we need to need to sit you down for a couple of hours and, and chat about this because it was fantastic." So. You know, I think, you know, I haven't seen any submissions are closed, but last I knew, you know, I mean, I think I'll pin, I'll pin the tweet so that anyone can find it easily this nice. weekend, but definitely do. And, uh, you know, a few of the Tanape group are on their way out uh, as part of their summer research talk tour. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be fun. And like I say, yeah, absolutely all credit to Dan because really smart guy, really smart thinker. And um, yeah, you will organize a great conference out there. So. so, I mean, I did have one more question about what if we were being inducted, but I think we've sort of covered that as we've gone. So I think it probably feels right to wrap things up here. I think obviously we do have maybe a few more episodes branching out from this. Be interesting to hear how other schools approach this. Mm. Um, mm. But in the meantime, all I have to do is say thank you very much. Thank you very much for joining me, Lloyd. Thank you. It's a pleasure. And everyone at home, until next time, thanks for listening. Go home. Anyway, sorry, that's not the code dropping. <laughs> <laughs> it did, it did. <laughs> Go home. <laughs>